Hello and welcome to our last episode of Pete and Pete coverage on Firsties. I'm Ross. I'm Reba. And uh, yeah, today we're covering Hard Days Pete, the final episode of season one of Pete and Pete. So you'd seen a lot of these episodes. Uh, Did you remember this one or was this kind of new to you? Um, I remember the radio. Okay. Radio station. I didn't remember the rest of the episode, but I remember the radio station. You remember the Wart Radio and yeah. Pete's Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of a clever idea for a show like this, where uh, you've already kind of established Pete as this kind of radical, do what he wants kind of kid who you know says all these things like bite my neck hair and yeah. <laughs> calls people blowholes, and it's funny to like combine that with the really polite world of, like, talk radio and stuff. Yeah, but even then he's still not, like, super polite. Like he... Right, well, that that's what's good about yeah. it. Like, he's still yeah. talking like... Like uh, Pete. Uh, well, he's he's talking in the way that, like, a talk radio person would, but he's saying the things that yeah. Pete would say. Right. Like, they're having segments like scab talk. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. though it's, it's, yeah, it's talk radio. I liked, uh... His first line on the radio is just like, Good morning, gut buckets. Looks like it's time to wipe the crud from your eye sockets and bite the wind of another day. Yeah. <laughs> he says yeah. it all, like, polite, like they would say it, but... Right. But, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. It is. I liked it. Um, I, I really like this episode. Like, I do, uh, too. It's, uh, you know, your very... Like, your favorite song is so, like integral to who you are like well it's it's a really relatable thing just like really attack you know like really feeling attached to a certain song and yeah wanting to hear that again or uh wanting it to be on your head and yeah like it it, it's it's not just a kid's thing it's just something anybody can relate to right uh, yeah it it feels like an honest episode too or it feels like the creator's well, we know the creators really love music right. and really love, like, alternative 90s yeah. music, too, because of all the people that they're involved in, right. or they got involved I, in the show. I love that they uh, that they did bring in uh, Sid Straw to play. Yeah. And um, and the meter man is... Yes, Marshall Crenshaw. Yeah. I looked that up, too. I, I'm like, okay, I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, yeah, he's okay. he's kind of a big deal, or in a way, like he uh, is an '80s, uh, '90s musician. He, he still mm-hmm. does write things occasionally. Uh, he's not yeah. not much of an actor. He doesn't appear in much, but he was in the 1987 film La Bamba. He was as Buddy, Holly. Buddy Holly. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah I saw that too. Like that's kind of it's kind of crazy how many like like how many musicians and like entertainers they get to be on the show like yeah and this is before even like Iggy Pop being a like right. not a regular but almost you know? a regular in season yeah. 2 uh i know i've read things where Danny Tamborelli talks about how like he really he loved music as a kid and like yeah. he he was learning guitar so like i I, I think he is kind of playing along to a degree with some yeah. of the songs uh, but yeah, people would show up on the show and like teach him things. And that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just love, uh, like, I love the lengths that he goes to, to find that song again. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, I like, 
Yeah, it is relatable because I've had those those moments. Like, heard those songs and could never find them again and went to, like, I never, I, I didn't start a band to find the song, but, you know, looking at it, like, doing all of the, the internet searches to find it. Which <laughs> can do back which, right. in the early 90s. And so, you know, he has, he has already tried to find it and, and uses his, uses mom's metal plate in her head yeah you know and then like to decide to start a band just so he can try to play out the rest of the song like (laughs) that to me is like so cool and and i think that impulse is something a lot of musicians have too where where they love music or they appreciate hearing it but it gets to the point where like they can find more joy in either recreating what they love being yeah. able to do that wherever they are or creating something new and you know like uh, it, it's it's neat to see kind of a kid show uh tracing the origins of like you know love of the arts and like the transition into creation or right. replication and it's cool yeah it, this this is one that i already liked but i i think seeing it again i was like this is this is probably the best episode of season one right I it might so. might be it's it's good. Yeah. Uh, has so many callbacks. Like I, I never, I never think of this one as much of a finale because it is mm-hmm. its own story. But they're constantly referencing things from the first season and the specials. Like uh, I, I, they had the international adult conspiracy. Yes. Marmalade cream, the song they were playing uh, from the Apocalypse Pete episode. Yeah. Miss Fingerwood being a callback. Right. Uh, Clem showing up again from the Nightcrawlers episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polaris uh, is being the, the band. Yeah, that. yeah. It, which is a funny scene because like it feels so early '90s where yeah. he just runs into like this cl- flannel clad <laughs> like yeah, band in yeah. a garage doing this alternative rock song and it's like life changing. But it, right. it works. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, everything is Krebstar in this episode. Yes, I love that. <laughs> And uh, there's a Mr. Tasty song, mm-hmm. like like so many little callbacks. Right. And uh, that is, I never, you know, I didn't even, I I noticed all of those, and didn't even think about it, just because like so many, so many other episodes would call back to everything else. Yeah, it didn't feel like a finale really, per se, but yeah. But they... I do think, like, they were kind of celebrating what they'd done to that degree. Yeah. And I don't know if they knew at this point whether they would get to do another, another season. season. And, yeah. but, like... It, but that's, a, like, you know, that is a great way to... A great way to honor, like, everything that they've done with yeah. all of those callbacks and not, like... Not try to, like, create an ending. Or yeah. 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 Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, like... When you mentioned that, I thought of the Pushing Daisies series finale that oh. was just so tied up into a neat little bone. Yeah, like the last like couple minutes, you're like, oh, and this happened, this happened, this happened, the end. Yeah. Like, they had to just wrap it up real real quick. But yeah, this was more of a, it, it was its own little story, but they're also celebrating what they'd done before. And it it was done in a way that, like, like it's really hard to have finales on kids' television, especially in early Nickelodeon mm-hmm. because they just kind of air the episodes randomly almost like right. they'd be out, but 
it was hard to get a good feeling of when there'd be new episodes. You didn't know the context or what was the first or last of a season. Right. So you don't want to, like, create a finale that's, like, just all about endings or, like, you don't want a heavily serialized show. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, this was... This kind of managed to have some finality just because of all the callbacks, but still still works as its own episode of television. Yeah, I, I've already mentioned some of this, but this is there's so many like '90s feeling things in this episode. Uh, you know, obviously Polaris and all the flannel yeah. and alternative rock stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. then also the idea of parents being like electric guitar, <laughs> like yeah. our kid's gonna play electric guitar, and like now that's I mean, not really a controversial thing right. at all. Yeah. I don't know if it really was so much in the 90s either, but it felt yeah. more. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think with all of the grunge rock and the garage bands, there were probably those parents out there that were like, no, my kid's going to turn into Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Like, yeah. And uh, also, I just think it's funny, to, the little bit about, you know, pay $5 to request a song. Yeah. It's like, now you couldn't get away with that. No. Well, they used it as, People like... wouldn't... They used it as, like, the uh, pledge drive, right. you know? Like For a radio pledge drive. Because <laughs> radio stations do have, like, the, like, pledge drives like that, where... I guess so. You know, you get a certain... You pledge a certain amount, at least, like, public radio does. Um, you pledge a certain amount and you get like a prize so you know their prize was getting to hear their song played live by this band that somehow magically knew all of those songs <laughs> yeah like you don't there's no real clear sense of time other than it's like a, an urgent there's a sense of urgency because you don't because Pete doesn't want to lose right. the last bit of song there's no clear sense of an actual time for yeah. them to learn all of those <laughs> no. songs. They just so, like, they, I love they love that, music. They, they so feel they it out. yeah <laughs> yeah they've got this. Uh-huh. Um, and when you've got Sid Straw and Marshall Crenshaw in your band, you know it's, they it's, can adapt. Yeah. <laughs> that may not be <laughs> within the universe of Pete B. With what's going on, but you know. But yeah. And Clem, I guess he's good with drums. Well, I mean. I, yeah, and you know, Miss Fingerwood said heart times soul equals rock and roll. <laughs> so she's got it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you know you're in good hands. Yeah. Another funny thing on uh, Marshall Crenshaw, I noticed while looking him up, is that he did the title song for the movie Walk Hard. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's he wrote so it. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still doing stuff, but yeah, his, I like saw big that he, hit was he'd... that. Yeah. From the 80s. Uh, right. Someday, some way. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that he was still doing, like, song, performing songs on, like, TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's a familiar name. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest musicians in the world, but, like, he's, uh, he's yeah, a talented he's... guy that people know. Right. There was there was some new art information already in this one. I always the, just write down the already stuff. Yeah, that he's rendered powerless when Pete uses the whammy bar. Yeah, it's like a deadly kryptonite. Yeah. So funk music is empowering to Artie, but, but not whammy, whammy bars. bars. No. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, also, I like that it was insinuated that Artie had had the talk with Pete about yes. the birds and the bees, like, yeah. which is a scene that I would like to see. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
and also yeah. makes Artie seem even creepier <laughs> as a character when you think of him as a guy who runs around in spandex as a superhero, lives in a porta potty that he moves around places, hangs out with children as their personal superheroes, and uh, describes the birds and the bees to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's this very strange guy. Also, um, so the scene where, uh, forget the guy's name, the hemorrhoid. Oh, her- hemorrhoid Hurley. Hemorrhoid Hurley, where he uh, requests surf and bum, surf and fun. Yeah. And already knows the song. Is Artie performing the song, or is he teaching them the song, or does he emit the song with his energy? I'm going to go with he emits the song with his energy. Yeah. Because there are no instruments. No. They are clearly not playing anything at that time. No, no, they're all standing around. he is just moving around in, in beat with the song. And it's just happening. He must be doing something because, yeah, like, otherwise yeah. the guy wouldn't have thrown $100 at him. Like, right, right. Artie's kind of incredible. He is. <laughs> Creepy character that he might be upon close observation. Only, yeah, you're not supposed you to know? think about it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's most of the big stuff. I have, like, all these little things that I thought was funny. Like, I love that yeah. Pete did what his hero Abe Lincoln would have done. In one scene, or that's what Big yeah. Pete says, which apparently is to start doing um, like a punk metal song right. <laughs> about his troubles. Yeah, which, okay. I guess. Yeah. That's that's Abe Lincoln for you. <laughs> a, 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 punk, a punk before punk. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. there's usually something I notice with like the technical or style, stylistic stuff that they, like mm-hmm. it seems like every week they try something or another. Yeah. And this episode they do... Uh, lighting shifts multiple times where like they they'll have a dramatic end to a scene where like they want the lights to come down on Pete but then they'll also bring the lights up behind him so like they're trying to do this moody thing where he's a silhouette after that but like not just against the natural background yeah like it's they're actually turning up the background to make him stand out right so they're, you know, they're I really like, I, I noticed that too in that, mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah, yeah. They did it. They did it at least twice. There was yeah. a scene early on and then there's another one where he's like kind of given up on it. Guitars have all sorts of effects on belly buttons. <laughs> they can, I, I did not know that. I cannot turn outies into innies and blow out belly button lint. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's worth knowing. Yeah. I just like so. that both of the things that his guitar does are belly button related. Yes. Well, uh, then also the um, the whammy bar, what we talked about. Right. That. Yeah. Um, I also liked that Meterman Mel actually had a scab, the shape of a dump truck. Yeah, it was, and it was very perfectly much. <laughs> dump truck shaped. Uh-huh. Uh, the, in fact, the truck was dumping stuff out. Yeah. Like. Okay. People in the Pete and Pete world have very, very specific body marks. <laughs> uh, they've got yeah. the scabs, they got the varicose veins, all sorts of all it's, sorts of things that represent other things. Yeah. It's a very, very well developed universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well developed universe of people having lesions and or whatever on their skin that <laughs> an interesting universe. Yeah. Um I liked that since the blowholes 
the band mm-hmm. don't actually like perform most of the requests or they had a montage for it instead. Yeah. They could use like actual song names and stuff. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and uh, it, yeah, like the guy yelling free bird over <laughs> their yeah. message and stuff. So, you know, they got to throw, throw out a few names and things on that. Mm-hmm. But then while also having like their own original songs and yeah, like the sweet moment with them doing his parents song right. and stuff. And, yeah, uh, that, that's really what I had. I, I really liked this episode a lot, though. It just flowed really well. It felt honest, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. So that's the last episode of season one. The uh, last episode. Oh. So, so what, what do you think watching through all these again? Just this first season, not having seen it in a long time. I, like... For a first season for a kid's show, they did a really, like, I thought they did a good job of uh, fleshing out a universe. Yeah. And giving the characters, like, like actually developing the characters. Because you get a really clear sense, at least, at least you get a really clear sense of who Little Pete is. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get a bit of a sense of the angsty Big Pete Mm-hmm. It's going through high school. Um, the the on-again, off-again relationship between Pete and Ellen, I didn't, like, I didn't remember as much. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, there's, like, one episode, like, in one of the later seasons that I thought it's, like, I remember that episode as, like, being the one where... They are clearly defining the relationship of Pete and Ellen. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, like, I had blocked out completely the rest of these, oh, they're together, or they're not together, or, you know, yeah. they have a crush on each other, or whatever. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, I am really proud of the the effort that was put into a kid's show. Yeah. You know. I, I like what you said, especially about uh, world building, because, like, it... It's it's not that it's not just that they did a good job of like kind of making it distinct, but it, it like the world building feels really organic. Yeah, like, it doesn't feel forced. It every episode they just have a couple of things that the writers probably just thought would be funny or would be yeah. in, enjoyable, and, and they didn't forget about all those things. So right. like once they had those in place, they would bring them back or play around with them. And like mm-hmm. I think a lot of the best shows and a lot of the best universes do that very thing where it, like if you plan too much ahead of like, oh, this is here, this is here, this is here, like everything's bound to fall apart. Right. But like, if you just forget about that, then it's all forgettable, like one-off gags. Like, right. It, it really does help to make your world feel lived in if you can introduce them just when you want and then like play with them and bring them back when it feels appropriate. Right. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say they did a good job of, of keeping those things relevant, but still in the background, you know, just... To call up whenever. Yeah, Wellsville yeah. definitely feels like a distinct place by the end of the first season. Yeah. But it, it, it's because of all those small things that have built up over time. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a really kind of fascinating show just because of how different its origins are to most TV shows. Where, like, usually, you know, you get picked up. Like, it's a bunch of people have done this several times before. And, mm-hmm. like, the creators have worked as, like, little staff writers or, like, right. build up uh, until they could, like, really take control of a show. And this one, this, like, I'm pretty sure these guys were just hired to do these little commercials and promos for Nickelodeon. 
Yeah. Like just these little 30 second things. And then over time, uh, those were popular, so they're uh, allowed to do their specials. And right. then the specials were popular enough that they were allowed to do a season of television and, 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 and then, then two more later. But, right. But it definitely, it doesn't feel like a lot of professionals who've like slowly come up and figured it out trying no, to do that. No, it, it There's like a real amateur like spirit to it and I that's think, charming. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's like a great, a great thing, especially for a kid's show, because you don't expect like greatness with this kid's show <laughs> uh, or like with any kid's show. But with Pete and Pete, you get you get this really great world and maybe some of the, like, some of the technical stuff and some of the, like... There's, there's like, a guerrilla spirit to yeah, it, in a way. Yeah, that, Like, it's people making this show, you know, just out of love, like, and just figuring it out as it goes and how it right. really... And it's, like, like, with kids' shows now, you get all of this great production value and... Mm-hmm. And you've got all this money thrown at these shows, and then characters suck, worlds are just non-existent, mm-hmm. you know, like, they, you can tell that they're just, like, throwing it together because they're getting paid to do it. Yeah, and, and, and that stuff obviously existed back then, too. It did, but, but with Pete and Pete, not so much. You could yeah. tell it was a labor of love. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And those, those still... There's definitely shows like that today too, but it, yeah, they they rarely come out of like such, such just like an unlikely scenario or it, yeah. like usually it is like through the traditional methods and you'll just get like a really creative or intelligent person involved mm-hmm. and like leading a show and that'll make it really good. And here, yeah, it really did. It was just like a bunch of people who got luck lucky and ended up here and then like worked with their friends to make something really unique and different and Nickelodeon was still at a stage where Where they they weren't micromanaging everything about these shows and you could just put something like Pete and Pete on the air and they (laughs) air it all the time great yeah Yeah. very cool very different environment from I think a lot of kids television today yeah yeah so any other last words about Pete and Pete season one I don't know I I re- I enjoyed watching it again. I still think season two is my favorite of this of the yeah. show. Like season two is just the right mix of like they've they've kind of gotten into the rhythm of things a bit more. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little less rough, but it, it's also it also still has like the spirit of the early stuff mm-hmm. down too. So like it yeah. it's a little better, has a little more direction in where it's going, but it's also not like. It's not quite like season three where it felt like they had lost a little bit of the charm from yeah. the early days. I think one of the creators had left by then too, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But yeah, if you if you've been enjoying these, definitely watch season two because there are some great episodes in there, and uh, yeah, it really does start to assert itself a bit more. So now that we're wrapped on Pete and Pete, we're gonna take our usual week off between shows. And are we, we were talking, we might just do Lost. Yeah, we're going to do Lost. We, we want to do an hour-long show. Yeah. We, uh, so this will take a while. It will. <laughs> It'll be a big, big Get, undertaking. I, I hope you guys are ready for the long haul. Yeah. Because I don't really remember Lost. I think so, maybe I've seen the first season. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, this, you've probably seen episodes here and there. 
First season is pretty long, though. It is. Mm-hmm. My mom loved it. Yeah, it's it's a great show. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So we will we'll be doing Lost in two weeks. We're starting out in two weeks. Probably just an episode a week because mm-hmm. it's longer. We will be doing the pilot for the first week, so that that'll be a little longer because that's a two parter. That's right. But uh, after that, we'll go week to week uh, unless otherwise specified. Like, the ending, I, the last one is also, like, a two-parter, and one of the parts is two hours or something, so well, there'll be a lot yeah. that week, but mostly just a week, or one a week. For those of you who've been watching us all the way through Pete and Pete, thanks for listening. Uh, we've enjoyed it. Yeah, we're <laughs> glad to have you listening. hmm and uh, we'll hopefully catch you in a couple weeks.